0: I a mean, well, I mean, sort of music. I sort of music. the sound of a huge crowd of people in Copenhagen, Denmark, November 19th, 1975, and they were cheering for the band Weather Report. Welcome to Deep Focus on FM, New York. My name is Mitch Goldman. Tonight, from now till 9 p.m., for the next three hours, we are going to be uh, exploring some music that needs to be rediscovered when i say we i'm talking about myself and my guest tonight vernon reed welcome back to wkcr
1: hey hey hey
0: when i say welcome back that is because if you are a lucky listener you might have been listening a couple months back we did part one of this program yes and uh we called that show before it had a name yes
1: definitely Mm -hmm.
0: and we were playing music from the uh the,
1: A lot of Tony Williams' lifetime. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. And and kind of thinking about the whole genre of music that that came brought about and uh, how horribly maligned and sidelined and yeah. uh, misaligned in people's minds it's become.
1: Yeah, you know, the so-called jazz fusion or jazz rock music, uh, the kind of combination of rock and jazz music. And, and there, there are many... Um, you know, the, I mean, there there were many groups that um, dipped into this. And, and interestingly enough, there were uh, sort of jazz-rock fusions and then rock-jazz fusions, like you could say, the music that Jeff Beck um, started to do. His instrumental music took a decidedly more improvisational turn. And it was sort of embracing of this idea from the rock side and a lot of this you could say that miles davis you know post in a silent way was was very much i mean a lot of the band the feature band leaders were members of you know the various ensembles that he kind of put together uh you know in the late in the late 60s you know post the the second quintet you know um but actually and the last time we did this, we talked about the fact that it was actually Tony Williams, who really was the progenitor of what we now refer to as jazz rock fusion. And for a long time, I had it twisted that it was that it all came from Miles. But in reality, I think a
0: lot of people still think that absolutely. Yeah, yeah
1: and, and and in reality, you know, it was Tony Williams who, uh, the Wonder Kinder, the youngest member of his ensemble, who was the one the kid that was into the British Invasion bands and, you know, was just just was a firecracker going his own way. You know, he started something that we're only still coming to grips with because not only did was he the band leader who introduced the world to John McLaughlin, who went on to, to fame as the leader of the Mahavishnu Orchestra. I mean, he was... Uh, Lifetime was very, very misunderstood in its time. And um, one of the things about that band was that uh, Tony's vocals, you know, whenever Tony sang, he got slammed for it. Like, you know, like they could never deny his genius as a drummer. But it was often like, oh, if only Tony didn't sing. But it's interesting to listen to a lot of the pieces now in in, in like a bona fide classic like There Comes a Time. And you'll hear the the roots of what you hear in alternative rock, like just, just you know, decades um, before, you know. So anyway, if you hear a song like Where and whatever. Um,
0: now, full disclosure. Yes. Among the bands that you lead or co-lead, and there are quite a few well, now. Well, yeah, I'm no, losing count. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that. Um, is a band called Spectrum Road. That's yes. Inspired directly by... The music of Tony Williams. Absolutely.
1: Lifetime. You know, in Spectrum Road, you know, it's it's um I'm really, really honored to to work in that ensemble with um Jack Bruce from Queen uh Cream. I'm oh, also Queen from Cream. That'd be interesting. <laughs> that would have been interesting, right? <laughs> Jack Bruce of Cream fame, uh, and many other projects. Um uh Cindy Blackman Santana, who was just newly married, uh when we were recording. Um, the Spectrum Road record on drums, and John Medesky, uh of Medeski Martin and Wood on keyboards and and uh, playing organ and clavinet and Mellotron, and you know that's something that's going to be a record that's going to be coming out in the spring, and and really looking forward to doing area shows and touring with that ensemble. But anyway, you know this 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 is this this show is
0: yeah that that was. Part one. That was part one. Of this show we were playing, (laughs) and we had some, we uncovered some tremendous-
1: Oh, my God.
0: God. uh, Previously unknown live recordings.
1: Uh, Oh, my God. Incredible.
0: (laughs) This is kind of, this is an ongoing conversation that Deep Focus has been exploring. We did, you know, all the stuff that we did, some things that you were not part of, but- what Jimi Hendrix was doing at that same time, what Miles Davis was doing at that same time, and all of these things colliding in this magnificent way. Much of it centered in New York, specifically, and radiating out to the world. So now we're setting the clock forward about six years. Now it's the mid-70s, an even more reviled topic in music Mm. than jazz rock fusion is probably the mid-70s. Oh sure, we we are smashing every preconceived notion tonight. Well,
1: you know, I mean, a lot of times, it, I mean, it's time. It's like sort of time to kind of reassess and 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 kind of actually listen. You know, people. There are so many musics that when you go back to them and just listen to to it without the framework of the times that they were at the time. And you, you, you have a, a kind of reassessment. I remember Led Zeppelin was a band that was despised. I mean, uh, it was completely reviled and despised for, for so many reasons. And in the '80s, there was this kind of reassessment of like, people started to go back and go, "Wait a minute, this is great.
2: <laughs> this is actually
1: yeah. this is actually rocks." And people, you know, have reassessed that music, and that happens a lot. And sometimes things that were groovy at one time are not so groovy now, and and other things that were like, oh, that was that was terrible. You turn around and go, you know, that was actually great. Like one of the things that's very interesting about some of what we're going to be listening to is a lot of Weather Report. You know, the thing about Weather Report, the, the two constants in that band, and and you could say the band was co-led by Joe Zawinul, keyboardist and synthesist. And composer, and as well as Wayne Shorter, the saxophonist and composer arranger, and they were the constant in that band. And everything else—the drums, the bass, and percussion—would change constantly.
0: Although the instrumentation varied very little.
1: Yeah, at the very beginning, there was a brief, a brief dalliance with um, guitar. Uh, Ralph Towner uh, played, you know, in a recording setting, but that didn't didn't last. Um, But essentially, it was uh, pretty much a quintet, which revolved around having a a melodic bassist, um, a a kicking drummer, and always, almost in every version of the band, a, a really enigmatic and unique percussionist, you know what I'm saying? And the percussionists would, the range of what they would do is that they, of course, they would play multi-ethnic percussion, but they would yell, they would carry on.
0: Yeah, Yeah, a lot of drama. A lot of uh, very noteworthy Brazilian percussionists in particular. Absolutely. Now, um, this was, if you are not familiar with Weather Report, this was a hugely, became a hugely popular
1: band. It's very strange because it's very interesting to, consider the career of the band because it started out as many of the post miles um sidemen you could say like when herbie hancock you know the first things that he did were like sextant and
0: which were pretty Blatantly, yeah, they were very, very
1: it clearly. Miles. I mean, Miles was in their heads, and yeah. Miles was still the thing with what was it was interesting with Weather Report was that Joe Zarno actually wrote for Miles, like they, he actually right. wrote pieces that Miles uh, adopted. And so, there when they started, there was a certain influence, but because um, Zawinol had already been, and, and Short had already been composing, um, and, and we had already developed very strong voices as composers. It was very different. I mean, they quickly developed a, a separate identity.
0: And Wayne, of course, had been, even prior to this, that time that you're talking about, a mm-hmm. uh, very strongly featured member of Miles' group, and also a big composer from Ohio you know, state.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Exa- exactly. So they so they came out of it. Um, you know, it's sort of like after drinking the Davis Kool-Aid for a really long time. uh uh-huh. You know, they came out of it. Uh, you know, they shook their heads They go, "Wait, wait, wait what, what just happened?" and then they they, you know, went back to they 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 had a very unique um combination of voices cause Yeah,
0: and, and it really it emerged and evolved. Over a number of years.
1: And, and um, you know, they were one of my favorite bands.
0: Now, most bands that have a significant, you know, exist over a span of time, people might identify different periods by which album they released and what year. There is a very particular way of identifying periods of weather reports, discography, and there are people who have strong preferences for one exactly. version or another. And one of the key differences over the span of time is who the bass player was.
1: Absolutely, the the, ba- the bassist came to literally define um, the sound of the band in a way, because the bass was essentially also a lead instrument. It was the the bass didn't just play these kind of iconic ostinato type bass lines, but the ba- you know they would also you know, through different kind of colorations, through different, you know, the emergent sound sound design technology, just the the approach of the the various basses, you know, from Miroslav Vicus, who was
0: Who was a co leader in the beginning, I think. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Right. And who was who who played um acoustic bass but also was, was he was uh masterful on acoustic bass and electric bass. And he played acoustic bass, you know, his arco playing was legendary for how melodic it, it 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 is and um you know from you know Miroslav to Alfonso Johnson was just a dramatic change um, and the sound became much more kind of rooted in a in in an urban kind of feel
0: the story is that uh, it was zavanol who wanted to go in that direction who wanted to get some more funk into it which was Definitely not what Miroslav was bringing.
1: Well, uh, you know, it's there's funk and there's, there's you know, there's <laughs> funk and there's one man's funk and there's a, is another man's junk, and by junk I do mean anyway. Um Yeah. Uh I, I, I have to say I, I love all of the various bass players that 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 played in the group, uh, up to and including, you know, my friend Victor Bailey, who was in the last Version of Weather Report, which is the post jocko Now,
0: yeah, that the other the eight hundred pound elephant. Oh in the room yeah, is, or, or gorilla. You well, know, yeah, is, is, the, depending on the day. You know,
1: is is is, is, is jocko Pistorius? I mean, Jocko Pistorius. It, it was Jocko that turned Weather Report into a, a kind of rock and roll band. I mean, he had a, a swagger. Uh, he was he was uh, a, a kind of force of nature he 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 whipped the heads around of a whole generation of musicians and what he brought you know like from the kind of jerry jamat style of funk that he brought to it to his incredible single note you know explorations and so well, that,
0: Also, that, that singing fretless sound. Yeah, the, is, the tone, the tone, that be the, the
1: tone of the instrument.
0: Now, and here's a little-known historical revelation. Mm. Not little-known to you, Vernon Reed, but um, the band that you became well-known playing with, your band Living Color, mm-hmm. among their first gigs was opening for Jaco Pastorius, as I recall. Oh, that's
1: right. Yeah, Jaco, you know, Jaco used to... to, to Around 55 Grand Street, which is a, a, a den of jazz iniquity. That <laughs> <laughs>
0: a chapter, perhaps.
1: <laughs> you know, there's a separate show to be had about the notorious jazz holes that dotted lower Manhattan. Uh, yes. You know, every, everything from the Tin Palace to. <laughs>
0: okay, here's another little known uh, tidbit, historical tidbit. The very first living color gig in 1983, I believe, was at 55 55 Grand, grand. and I remember Jocko. I remember Jocko was there.
1: Oh yeah, Jocko was very. Um, he was very encouraging. I, I mean, uh, Jocko was uh, a larger than life character, and you know, it's it's. Um, he had a presence and uh he just had a powerful he was incredibly charismatic. And and he was also was a very troubled character. But he was so early on in the band that became Living Color, he was just like, you go, Vern, you know, I would be playing like really too loud in the club, and he would go
2: you gotta turn it up, man
1: <laughs> 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 you know, he was <laughs> he really was uh you know there were so many times you know i run run into jocko you did no, and Cechi- Jocko was
0: somebody you would run into he would yeah. he would be around he would be uh you know
1: he was he was around and he was he was dry long so he was really a down to earth manic character and so many times, various jazz festivals running into him was 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 was, <laughs> was completely uh, a unique experience, and uh, he was often wild-eyed and raving. But but for real, um, you know, the world, the music is poorer for him not being here. I mean, it, I, I remember when I got news of his passing remember more anger than sorrow because, you know, he was um, just a, such a special, irreplaceable person. You know, he was just a, I mean, it was impossible not to love him. And already, you know, to have someone who was such a, he was already iconic and,
0: yeah, he was—now, we're talking the time you were hanging with him. He had been the bassist in Weather Report from mid-'70s into early-'80s. Yeah. And this is now early into mid-'80s. Mid-'80s. And he had, and he, had, he, had, he was yeah. leading his own ensembles, and he had all kinds of other things going on.
1: And there was a lot of stuff going on with him. And, and I think, he, you know, in, in the background of it, you know, he, he was very close to Pat Metheny and did, I think, one of Pat Metheny's greatest— you know outings which was his first record bright Size life you know he was famously associated with Joni mitchell and, and right yeah and, both of them and played you know ph- phenomenally well with on hijira he herbie Hancock championed him and he'd done many things with herbie Hancock you know his own uh eponymous record was 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 a classic you know the song continuum is a song that 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 is just Fantastically beautiful, and of course, a portrait of Tracy is like a proving ground for the modern—you know—certain level of modern electric bassist. I mean, the portrait of Tracy is, or Teen Town. You know, yeah, these are, these that are things that that um that are kind of almost required. Um yeah. But beyond that, I mean, he also had a difficult—you know—he was a difficult—you uh, know—he had. Clearly, it had issues, and and it was diff, it was very hard. You know, he he was just a kind of a wild, un unrestrained, Ill, not politic character, and he you know th- I mean there's a reason why you know there at a certain point he's not working with Johnny Mitchell anymore. You know, right. there's 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 you know, Pat and him just. Kind of parted ways, and I don't think it was amicable you know there' you know, but it's'', it's, it's painful and um and, and yet and still he he just was just, you know every you know he was just one of these people who who just um i don't, you know it's it's hard to even talk about him because he he, he to me he was um someone i looked up to someone i admired and 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 the fact that he gave me encouragement i mean that was you know very very powerful you know especially when i was, was sort of doing something that wasn't you know didn't know where it was going to go at all you know but um
0: and he uh, yeah. jaco pastorius cast a long shadow he, <laughs> ca- he cast a long shadow
1: he he cast a shadow like hendrix Cast cast such a long shadow over guitarists, you know. There's there's a certain, you know. I mean, there are many strong voices on the bass, you know. I mean, an electric bass, especially in if you talk about jazz rock fusion. That's that's a music where the electric bass really shone, you know. It was right. a particular right. thing, you know. So the voice of a Stanley Clark the voice of an Alfonso Johnson, the voice of a Jaco Pastorius. You know, the voice of a Paul Jackson Jr. who is the most underrated really of all the Uber bassists. I mean, you clearly hear the influence of Paul Jackson in, in the music of Michelle and Degorcello, in in her style of bass playing. You know, Paul Jackson, you know, for me, is as great a voice as any of them and he never gets the burn that he deserves. I mean, he, he was, he's arguably the funkiest, really the funkiest of all of them. But um, that's a digression.
0: That's a big digression. Because <laughs> despite all of that uh, true wisdom you share about Jaco Pastorius who you knew firsthand, the period of weather report that we're talking about tonight is the prior period the Alfonso Johnson and he
1: And Alfonso Johnson, now...
0: And that was something that you specifically...
1: Yeah, it's because uh, now, having said all of this about Jocko, there was almost a, a a kind of denigration or complete marginalization of what Alfonso Johnson did in that band, and it, it's criminal to me because there became this whole, um, you know, this whole thing where. Where Jocko was was uh, championed, um, and to the point where, you know, Alfonso's very strong contributions were just kind of pushed to the side. Well, I and mean, I, it think, it that was that's, I like think it's I think is completely yeah. un, it's completely unfair, and it and it's very. And, but
0: it, it was it was kind of you got to also acknowledge it was kind of like almost a stage door type of moment. I mean, you know, Jocko's star. Just shine.
1: No, he was no, he was he was in the ascendancy. And 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 the
0: band became not necessarily better, worse or anything else, but immensely more popular and had, you know, Mm. during that Jocko era. So it was somewhat natural that that people would, you know, think that way.
1: Well you can also I mean, the thing about Alfonso and his personality was he was not a larger than life personality. He was very self effacing, he was a very shy Person, I mean, he wasn't like Stanley Clark, who's Stanley is 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 a big personality, yeah, you know, and he's gonna let you know. I mean, he's from Philly, you know, he's not playing around, right? So, Stanley is, you know, I'm up in this, right? With whereas Alfonso was much more self-effacing and much more, um, he was at a much just a much more more quiet personality and Jocko was completely manic he was a rock star
0: literally he
1: was a, he literally manic and was a rock star for real i mean and so his so his playing was and, and off he had the, the chops charts. to back it up oh yeah yeah no, we're Any not it's not a no 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 like, as i say he he his playing was off the meter but he also was a kind of i mean he was he was really larger than life. You're just completely larger than life. And because he was larger than life, you know, I mean, he was... He catapulted the band into another an, into another space. You know, what he brought to the table compositionally, what he... You know, I mean, his thing had real personality. And I think that that... And I'm, I'm armchair quarterbacking. Go Jets. They won yesterday. Ha-ha! You know, but... <laughs> please do <laughs> but uh but I, I i'm gonna say that that um i think that that was a problem i think that was a problem in the power dynamic of the band you know because zano was the undisputed yeah you know was i mean he was seizing a central role i mean and i think that there was kind of conflict between him and Wayne, but Wayne was is also a kind of a quieter, more cerebral type of personality. He's not a Type A personality. He's not a he's not a yo mofo. I'm a you know he's right. not he's not that dude.
0: I I, I think Zabinal. Um, you know we all tend to think of the band as kind of co-led by Wayne and Zavanul I think Zavanul I realize more and more now that he was more the dominant character between. Well, he was the more two. Do-
1: he was clear he was clearly more domineering in yeah. in in the in that. In, Making the records In, in particular. the dynamic, yeah, you yeah. know, he was he became you know, I think it was it was different at the beginning and then as the band continued and became more successful, he was much more domineering and then Jocko was not gonna listen to what you know, Jocko's like, you know, and, and that and that actually became a a thing. That became that became a thing. And I, I remember seeing the band at the Beacon Theater where they often played, and the vibes on the stage were just weird and palpable. Like there was a thing, like Jocko went into you know would when he I mean he would play these fills and people would erupt into a play. He would play these harmonics and people would blow up. And at right, one no
0: po- nobody really had done that on bass before Jaco. Well, I mean,
1: the, I mean, but but the way he but the way he featured harmonics and used yeah. that color. I mean he, he revolutionized that in the in he revolutionized that in the base. I mean I would say I mean there were other players, lesser known players, like there was a player named Leroy Seals who's not really so well known. But I remember Leroy Seals, you know, he actually um played on Strata East. There's there's some Strata East records that feature him. And he's not his name is not a name that's too, that's very well known. But he was fantastic. I mean, he and he was someone who also utilized harmonics, but he was not. You know, he wasn't in the kind of ensembles where that was. Um, that where where it wasn't that? You know, so he wasn't. You know, it was. It's funny because I remember hearing I'm going, "Wow, that's so." It's so. And he had his own thing, but it, you know, anyway, it was an emergent thing, and Jaco pushed the evolution of it, and you know, he revolutionized the role of the instrument in a way that they can't, that you'd know you would be, you'd be, he, he, it wouldn't be accurate to deny it. So it's not really about that. But the point of list checking out Alfonso Johnson, because I think Alfonso Johnson is tremendous. I thought what he did with that band was tremendous. And it's, it's, it's been overlooked for just really a long time. I, 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 now I saw the band. Uh, they were, I saw the band in in pretty much at least three incarnations. I saw it in a, with Alfonso Johnson um, a couple of times. I saw it with uh, Jocko um, several times, and I, I saw the uh, Victor Bailey Omar Hakeem um, uh, version of the band. And at, by the time Victor and and uh, Omar, that the whole drum and and that whole, who was going to be the next drummer and the next bass player became a thing. You know, that became like,
0: just right. a, Yeah, yeah, who's it going to be?
1: Who's it going to be? That became like a real, a real thing. And um, I have to say that um, I remember seeing Weather Report um, opening for Earth, Wind & Fire at Madison Square Garden. It was crazy. And this was around the time. This is Indugu. Leon Chancellor right, right, right. was the drummer at that time. Really? Yes. Indugu. This was. This. I was, thought he
0: never toured with the band.
1: Oh no, he definitely no. Indugu. Yeah, Indugu. I believe that was Indugu. Wow. Yeah. And, a surprise. Um, and this was during the time of ta- Tail Tailspinning.
0: Okay. Now this. So that was.
1: Yeah, Indugu. Indugu was the drummer for Tailspinning.
0: Right. He on, he's on the album. He's I on the album. Think I think he toured, maybe. But uh right. yeah, Tail Spinning and Mysterious Traveler are the era that we're talking about if you're familiar with Weather Report's albums. That's yes. those are that's basically the yeah. Alfonso and, Johnson. And, and, and you would
1: say and you would say and Black Market is the album of transition between Alfonso Johnson and Jacob Estorius, because um oh, no, no. <coughs> Excuse my lack of scholarship on this anyway, point, but you're not, but no, but no, but no, but no, but that that record is the transitional yeah. record. Um, in any case, yes.
0: Well, now I want to ask you. When we first started talking about this, mm-hmm. one of the first things that you said to me was, "See if you can find a live version."
1: Of Nubian Sundance,
0: which was the very track that we played. If if you've been listening for the last half hour while we've been talking about yeah. this, uh, that was the first track that we played.
1: Yeah, we see. I have a, of of my particular favorite record, um, in the Weather Report of is Mysterious Traveler. Like a Mysterious Traveler, was so. It it seemed to me. To open a world of um now mind you, I was a teenager when this record came out, but it, it was it was magical there was something everything from the cover, which is a a cover of it, it's like a photograph of a shooting star um and the song nubian Sundance was um you know, it struck me in a particular way. And I and, and I have to say part of that it has to do with me being a comic book fan <laughs> and and being a fan of, of Jack Kirby's uh creation, The Black Panther. And it seemed to me that this would be the Wakanda national anthem. <laughs> it was there's was something about this tune that seized my imagination. Like I would listen to the song. And at this time, there weren't music videos, but it would be, it was like a soundtrack to a movie unspooling in my mind, you know? And mm-hmm. uh, and and it's so, that record, just, uh, I love it.
0: You know, it's funny, I hadn't listened to it in a long time before we started getting ready for this show, and it struck me, that one song sounds more like the Decoding Society, the band that you had been in, right. than just about anything that I can think of that was recorded by anybody other than Shannon Jackson and the Decoding Society.
1: Well it was a huge I tell you, it, it it just um left an imprint. I mean the two songs that left uh that and Cucumber Slumber, um, which I listened to Cucumber Slumber so much that uh, you know, I could I could it was the first song I listened to, to the point where I knew all the solos and could sing them in my head. Right, right, my right,
0: right, right. That was a, you know, I don't know if that still exists for teenagers today, but I remember very clearly being a teenager, and yeah, knowing this music so backwards and forwards. I listened to it.
1: I listened to it so. I mean, I listened to it probably too much because, <laughs> you know, it, it 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 influenced me, you know, as instrumentally as a as a as a as a composer, I mean, it really had a big um, effect on me.
0: Here's what I think we should do. I think I, I'm, it's so interesting to me. I mean, this music stands on its own, in my mind, completely without anything else. But it's so interesting hearing you talk about Nubian Sundance in particular and Cucumber Slumber. We were listening to this recording. This was Copenhagen, November of 1975. And uh, the band, once again, I'll give the lineup of Weather Report at that time. Joe Zabino on keyboards, Wayne Shorter, tenor and soprano saxophones, Alfonso Johnson on the bass, Chester Thompson playing drums, mm-hmm. Alex Acuna on percussion. And uh, my guest is Vernon Reed, and this is Deep Focus. I'm Mitch Goldman. Um, I think we should play Nubian Sundance again. I'm loving it. And then that will, we'll play a couple more tracks. Scarlet Woman follows that, and then there's a beautiful bass intro to Cucumber Slumber great there it is
1: yeah it's, it's interesting to, to talk about a band that, that had no guitar player <laughs> yeah <laughs> I so, was so into this band
0: this is I uh, oh, hope you're getting uh, enjoying listening to this this is an extraordinarily rare recording that almost no one has heard who was not in Copenhagen in 1975 and uh, we have it for you from the WKCR archives this is Weather Report on WKCR Right on. Thank mm-hmm. you. Deep Focus, this one from September 2011, as you know, because you've been listening all this time, my guest was Vernon Reed, and the topic was Weather Report. Uh, If you don't know Vernon's work, well, you know what a bon vivant and raconteur he is now, because you've been listening to him for the last hour. He is a spellbounding musician. I urge you to find some of his music and see what he's done. The easiest thing to find is going to be his band, Living Color. But uh, that is, as we say, the tip of the iceberg. And uh, you can also listen to, uh, that was part one of this broadcast. There's two more parts you can find. And you can find them on your favorite podcasting app, which might be where you found this. You can also always get us at the hosting site, which is Mitch Goldman podbeam.com. and guess what this episode yup this one is our 100th episode and we have had over 5,000 episodes downloaded listened to and I don't know how many hundreds thousands of unique listeners people like you who like the music that you like but I can tell you that you are people like you are all over the world. We've got listeners in every corner of this planet. Maybe some other places outside the planet I don't even know about. But I'll tell you how you might find some of them. Come hang out with us at Instagram. Go to Deep Focus Podcast. Follow us there and you'll always know what episode's coming up that week. I find photos of these artists and uh, discussion of the show calling me out on whatever Mistakes I make. I've got some very dedicated listeners doing my best, I tell you. All right, so this was episode one. There's two more parts of this Vernon Reed on Weather Report from September of 2011.